Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Athelsford District Planning Committee meeting for the 4th of May. Um, two matters of housekeeping first before we start. We're not expecting any fire alarm practices, so if the bells ring, please make your way down through the double doors and assemble on the grass circle. Thank you. Um, please make sure all mobile phones are switched to silent, please. I can't enforce it, you switch them off, but please uh, keep them to silent. Um, we have uh, quite a few people in the public gallery today. Just a reminder, please, that this is um, a planning committee meeting held in public. It's not a public meeting. So you may well hear things you like. You may well hear things you don't like. Either way, please keep your feelings to yourselves and try not to interrupt proceedings. Thank you very much. Um, okay, do we have any apologies for absence, Adam? Thank you. Yes, Councillor Fairbrass. Councillor Lodge. Councillor Lodge. Is he not made that official to the uh, Secretary? Okay, I'll take it this time. Thank you. Um, any declarations of interest? Councillor Warren, Town Council and a member of the Town Council Planning Committee. Thank you, Councillor Fairhurst. And the same. the same. Thank you. No others, thank you very much. Uh, the minutes for the 6th of April have been published. Can I sign those as a true record? Thank you, I shall do. Any matters arising? We'll start on page 5, 6, 7 and 8. Okay, thank you very much. The first item on our business agenda today, item 4.1, application UTT 152982. It's an application for full planning permission at Henham. And uh, Mrs. Denmark will take us through the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. This application relates to a site located in Henham, which is accessed by a school lane. And school lane currently terminates at the um, gates at the entrance to uh, Henham Primary School. Um, now there is um, something I need to point out that the land inside the gates, so the parking area that's already there outside the school, and then this land, so from this point here down to the end, all of that area there is not owned or controlled by Essex County Council. Essex County Council, within the uh, school land, they control the access over this piece of land here and then the remainder of the school playing fields. So where the Leylandi hedge is on site that comes down here, that area is not controlled or owned by the council or the school. It is leased, and that lease could be terminated at any point. Um, the um, area of land, so the, the site is... Um, behind Vernon's Close and, um, and then there's another area of land down here to the rear of the school. There is some land shown here in, um, outlined in blue and um, that relates to uh, the site of the proposed um, sustainable urban drainage um, attenuation basin which is the subject of a separate application. The proposal relates to the provision of 36 dwellings, public open space, and um, the provision of new parking and playing fields for Henham and Ugly Primary School. So there will be a new parking area within the school grounds here, 
and this would be fenced and gated off here and here and there would be another gate down here and um, so that would be for the parking of teachers. The existing parking area within the school grounds um, it's proposed to formalise that into a 16 space uh, drop-off point for parents. A new access road would be constructed coming into the site over the area of land that's currently used um, where they've got the running um, truck mark out marked out and then the erection of 36 dwellings and a play, um, an area of open space here to the rear of the, uh, these properties there. Um, the existing boundary hedging which is located along roughly along this line here and along here that would be removed um, obviously to facilitate the residential development here and also to open up the area of land um, for the school into the new school playing field which would then be transferred to Essex County Council thus ensuring that the school does um, uh, or the council do own and control all the land that the school uses. Um, the, the dwellings would be a mix of two and three bedroom properties and then there would be 40% affordable housing um, within that. The proposed gardens and parking arrangements comply with the guidance and adopted standards. Um, the access naturally has given rise to numerous um, objections from local residents and parents of the school and obviously the school itself. Um, now, Essex County Council have advised that in highway terms there are no objections to the proposal as the existing road and the proposed estate road are of sufficient size to accommodate the proposed vehicular flows. Now, it's acknowledged that the school, at school drop-off and pick-up point uh, times there are potential conflicts in the area already between traffic and pedestrians and this potentially would increase those however it would be no different to many other countries throughout the country, uh, schools throughout the country. Um, there is a traffic regulation order um, outside the school at the present time because of the parking issues on this lane um, arising from the way that parents try and park at school pick-up and drop-off times. Um, concern has also been expressed in relation to the proposed drainage scheme for the site, especially as this involves land outside the application site. Um, negotiations have been ongoing between the applicant and the landowner and we've now uh, received a planning application for the, um, the uh, drainage attenuation basin and in principle Essex County Council as the lead local flood authority are happy with that in, um, in principle um, and if this application for the residential development were to be approved then the um, the drainage scheme um, is also at a stage where it could be approved and so the two would be tied up together in one section 106 agreement covering the both requiring the delivery of the drainage in association with the housing. Um, you're likely to hear representations from the Parish Council in respect of five-year land supply. Um, and 
um, the council's position in relation to that is clearly set out in paragraphs 10.3 to 10.7 of the officer's report and all of the appeal decisions received in the last 12 months since the um, five-year land supply was um, set, um, established last June um, have confirmed that the council do have a five-year land supply and a 5% buffer. However, we only have 5.1 to 5.3, and that was the position at June 2015, and obviously there is a requirement to keep on ensuring that we do have a continued um, supply of housing coming forward. Um, these proposals are considered to meet the three strands of sustainability, and therefore the, off, the recommendations as, as set out in the officer's report, together with the amendments set out in some supplementary list of representations, with one additional um, amendment. Um, I've only just recently, uh, just yesterday, received the land ownership plan um, from Essex County Council. So the provision of the car parking area, the drop-off parking area, also needs to be in Section 106. And... Um, so the provision of that and the maintenance of that area also needs to be covered. But apart from that, it is as set out in the report. Thank you, Mrs. Demark. We have several speakers on this application, and the first is from District Councillor Gleeson. Sorry, you are going to read. And he has a statement which will be read by Adam. Thank you. Members of the Planning Committee. First, please accept my apologies for not being able to give this speech in person. I was unable to swap my shift to Adam Rooks Hospital. I hope that the council officer reading this speech puts across how against this development I and the residents of Henham are. The simple fact is that the development is dangerous. The amount of construction traffic that these 36 dwellings will require will cause chaos down an already busy cul-de-sac. Both in the morning and afternoon, the road is full of parents and children on their way to and from school, and there have already been many near misses as the Henham residents seated here today can testify to. Adding heavy goods vehicles will only inflame the existing traffic problems and cause a genuine risk to the children of Henham. The development will also permanently change the setting of the school entirely, transforming it from a site at the end of a road to a site on a busy thoroughfare once the 36 dwellings have been constructed, along with an extra 70 or so cars. It should also be noted that this development sits in the Greenbelt land and is outside the development limits of the village. Further eroding the Greenbelt with development will irreversibly change the nature of this beautiful village and the surrounding countryside. The development will also strip the school of a significant chunk of its playing field, an increasingly valuable resource for the school, with the ever-constant diminishing of the local countryside. To sum up, the unsafe nature of the development, erosion of Greenbelt and countryside, removal of land used by the school for decades and the overwhelming objection by local residents shows how inappropriate this development is for Henham and I urge the committee to refuse. Thank you, Adam. Uh, our next speaker is Sue Giles. You have three minutes, Mrs Giles. My name is Sue Giles and I'm head teacher of Henham and Ugly Primary School. <coughs> We've worked for some time with Persman Homes, reviewing the plans, identifying issues and looking at the adjustments made. However, despite the amendments, there are several items of concern which cannot, in my view, be changed and therefore the plans for building are not acceptable. 
The key to my concerns is the plan for the access road to the site to pass directly through the current entrance to the school and overland presently used as part of the sports field. The plan also uses a significant section of the school field as a car park. From the school's perspective, with the needs of over 200 3 to 11-year-olds in mind, the entrance to the school will be dangerous, particularly during construction, and the construction process will curtail sports development within the main curriculum and clubs for several months, both for the school and for the local community. During the sorry, during construction, highways have recommended that a planning commission be, be made on heavy, that heavy vehicles don't park on the nearby roads. This will mean a constant flow of large vehicles passing through the present gates of the school, exposing young children and other pedestrians to great risk. If the planning condition is put in place, restricting the time that HGVs can access the site, there will be huge pressures on crowded streets and issues over safety on local roads. With the school in operation, the nursery and various extracurricular activities, children enter and leave the site throughout the day, 7.45 to 5.15. The nursery and play area are immediately beside the access to the site. During construction, there will be serious issues from dust, dust, fumes and noise. The timing of different aspects of the development is a further concern. Temporary loss of a significant area of the school field and time to develop the new area will impact on school sports provision significantly and also affect the rugby and football clubs that meet at weekends. Sport England is very clear in their recommendation that no development shall take place on the existing playing field until the replacement playing field has been provided and is fit for use. Removal of the staff car parking for the duration of the building work will further impact on street parking. If the new staff car park is established in the initial phases, the school field will be further compromised. Access to develop the new field would be across our present sports field which Fort England state is not acceptable. After the development, there are continued concerns. The main risks for the children at Henry Ugly Primary School have been not from fast cars, but from cars manoeuvring in the very local streets. In the past, nearby cul-de-sacs have tempted parents closer to the school to park, reversing with resultant limited visibility to exit. Governors have worked on this with the parents, and most parents now park and walk rather than risk these manoeuvres. The additional limited parking available close to the school is likely to attract them again with more vehicles passing the entrance trapped into dangerous turns. Highways suggested redesigning the parking area to provide a one-way route, but there's no concession in this arrangement. And I would plead, plead that if it does go ahead, that the footpath should be two metres each side. There are a lot of children moving along that area and they do need to be safe. I'd urge the committee to be aware of the safety and the educational needs of our children and vote against the proposal. Thank you, Mr Giles. Our next speaker is Paul Maxine. And you two have three minutes, Mr Maxine. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Paul Maxin, and I'm speaking as Chairman of the Governors on, on behalf of my uh, Governor colleagues uh, of Henham and Ugly Primary and Nursery School. Uh, unanimously, we strongly object to this application on grounds of safety and its impact on families. Section 175 of the 2002 Education Act provides school governing bodies with a statutory duty to ensure children and young people attending school are safe. 
This Act includes not only safety and security within the school and school buildings, but also its perimeter and access to school buildings as well. I'm sure members of this planning committee will have thought about the safety of children during their visit earlier today. Um, as governors and with parents, we've gone to great efforts uh, to uh, work to um, uh, obtain parking restrictions in order to keep children safe. But I note that in the case officer's report in section 10.25, it states to you that the proposed parking area for parents alleviates some of the parking pressure. We contest this most strongly. The proposed parking area for parents opposite the school entrance, where cars must back into and out of spaces, shows a complete lack of understanding for the safety of young children, young children who are aged between 3 and 11. Turning out of the car park, you'll see, is a blind space, making this unsafe for pedestrians, many of whom are very young. The sighting of the staff car park out of sight of the office and classrooms poses security risks for children, and the fencing of the staff car park leaves no space for turning and parking once vehicles enter. It's a dereliction of my duty as a chairman of the Governors under the Education Act not to draw your attention to these safety aspects, and I certainly don't want to chair a governing body, and I'm sure you don't want to be members of a planning committee who have approved proposals to increase the risk of accident to anyone, let alone the youngest and most vulnerable in our community. The second aspect I want to draw your attention to is the loss of facility, the temporary loss of playing fields. Your case officer's report at 8.10 and 10.17 states that broadly Sport England uh, approve of this. They have revised their opinion. The playing field, as Mrs Giles said, is used extensively by the school for a range of sports, including football and athletics. There are no local sports facilities for the school to use whilst the work takes place. So I'd like to draw your attention to what Sports England's revised responses from Mr James Morris, their planning manager, is specifically that no development shall take place on the existing playing field until the replacement playing field has been provided and, crucially, is fit for use in order to protect the existing playing fields. And they go on to say that if your council decides not to attach the above condition and other conditions contained in the Sport England's previous response, Sport England would wish to raise an objection to this application. So in our opinion, unlike the report, it doesn't, as it stands, comply with LC4 as indicated in 10.17. So for reasons of impact on child safety, children's learnings and adverse impact on the facilities of the school, we urge the committee to reject the proposal. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Maxine. Uh, next speaker is Nicola Lutz-Collier. Okay. And you have three minutes, Mrs Collier. Thank you. Thanks for letting me speak today. I am Nicola Lutz-Collier. I'm a resident of Pimlet Row, which is just off of School Lane, and I'm a parent of a child that attends the school. I have first-hand experience of the mayhem that ensues every morning and every afternoon there. And firstly, I'm rather disappointed to hear that we're aiming as low as all the other areas in the country of their school mayhem. I don't think that's really something that you should be aiming for. You should be aiming to make it a safer place, not as bad as every other area. Firstly, construction traffic, noise, disruption to lessons. It's hard enough to get a child to concentrate without a load of lorries running by. Danger of heavy lorries coming in and out of school lane. Big lorries, small children, rushed parents. This is not a recipe for a very good day out at all. Uh, we have obviously a precursor. This is a precursor to the, the dwellings that are going to be built here. Add 60 odd cars to the mix. 16 spaces doesn't really add up. We've got 200 children and all their parents. They're not going to fit. It's just crazy. Every day, 
school vehicles, parents negotiate the very dangerous bend that no one's mentioned that leads into school lanes. Firstly, they have to get past that and spy. You have to wheel them into the road. Uh, your children are knocked with doors from parents that have parked their, their up they're parking up driveways so people like me can't get to work either. It's congested now. I can't believe you're looking at adding more traffic to that. Emergency vehicles cannot get down there. There is not enough space. There was a lady in Sages just off of School Lane that couldn't receive medical attention because the ambulance could not get to her. The medical professionals had to go to her house and then collect the ambulance later. There isn't room. There isn't room. Anyway, the minimum I expect as a resident is to be able to get emergency services to my front door if I should need them, and I think it's neglectful of you to, to deny that by granting this permission. So add, that's just the residents. Add little people that you can't see through bumpers. We're holding their hands. We're teaching them the Green Cross Code. But currently there are one to two near misses per week. One to two near misses. No one's hurt. Everyone can park there. It's all fine. How many near misses do we need for this to be a consideration? I'm not sure. I haven't been given a number. These are nice people. Parents are my friends. They're lovely people. They've got no intention of hurting anybody. They're just trying to get their kids and their buggies with the siblings and their model of something random into school every day. They're not thinking about, uh, you know, reversing and possibly hitting a child. I personally have seen three children hit, which is why I'm somewhat loud and uh, scary at the moment. One of them was my child. She wasn't even in the road. She was standing in Pimlet Row in the cul-de-sac uh, and she was waiting for the car to come in and turn around. Now, she was hit on the legs. Luckily, she's fine. She can still run away from me as much as she likes. However, it was pretty shocking to see adding construction traffic and small children and then adding 36 dwellings, 60-plus cars and giving us 16 spaces just isn't acceptable. I can't believe you're aiming so low. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you, Mrs Collier. <coughs> the next speaker is David Mawson. Do you have three minutes, Mr. Mawson? Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman, and uh, it's lovely to be back with you all. Um, as some councillors on the committee will know, I was the district councillor for Henham when this application was first raised and was rejected in both 2000 and 2014. My concerns about the application remain the same today. Mr Chairman, I believe the issue before you is quite simple. If the current application is approved, can the safety of children in access to the school be guaranteed? If there is any doubt about this, the committee should reject it. The safety and protection of children on the road and in the access to the school is the major concern raised by parents and governors over and over again. And I'm sure I do not need to remind the committee that the safety of children is a key principle of planning. The site is also outside of village development limits and, in this, and with this factor in such that it should not be allowed. Rather, it creates concerns about child safety. Mr Chairman, the proposers of this development have to conclusively demonstrate to the committee that they have taken into account all safety factors and assure the committee that this proposal will not endanger children. I don't believe they can give this guarantee, and I urge the committee to respect concerns of parents over and over again and reject this proposal. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr Mawson. And our next speaker is Bruce Bamber. And you have three minutes too, Mr Bamber. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. My name is Bruce Bamber. I am Director of Railton Transport Planning Consultancy. I have been dealing with transport matters for 25 years. 
I would like to say something about transport and environmental impact that includes road safety. To assess this, it is necessary to consider two things, the sensitivity of the people affected and the magnitude of the change in vehicle movements. Schools, for obvious reasons, are amongst the areas most sensitive to changes in traffic flows. The level of sensitivity of the area around the school is therefore high. Magnitude is a function of the increase in traffic. There is currently no traffic passing the school. The introduction of the new road will fundamentally alter the road environment around the school entrance. Parents will drive past the school seeking to park within the development, either using visitor spaces or finding these already occupied, either parking in inappropriate and unsafe locations or driving back past the school entrance. Parents will also seek to use the parking spaces proposed opposite the school. There will inevitably be many vehicles turning and reversing in and around the parking area, in the exact location where there will be most movement of children and families. Parents may attempt to double park, wait in places that partially obstruct the road, or limit visibility for those trying to cross the road. The magnitude of impact will therefore be very high. So, the sensitivity of the area is high. The magnitude of impact is very high. There is therefore a major or substantial negative adverse impact, and the specific concern is the safety of vulnerable children and infants. In situations such as this, mitigation is required. No effective mitigation is proposed. The Highway Authority dismisses these concerns, recognising only an issue of parent parking behaviour, over which it considers it has no control. The apparent indifference of the Highway Authority is further demonstrated by the fact that in relation to the construction of the proposed suds pond, the suggested conditions include nothing that would even restrict the movement of HGVs passing the school to avoid the start and end of the school day. I conclude that the proposed development will fundamentally alter the highway environment in a sensitive area around the school entrance and will lead to a major adverse impact in terms of highway safety resulting from the conflict between vulnerable pedestrians and passing and manoeuvring vehicles. The proposal is therefore contrary to policy Gen 1 in that it compromises road safety. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bamber. Our next speaker is from the Parish Council, is Jenny Wigley. And you have three minutes. Is it, is it Councillor Wigley? Uh, no, no, sir. No. I'm a barrister uh, instructed by the Parish Council. Okay, fine. Thank you. Uh, Councillors, time does not permit me to set out all the reasons why you should refuse this application. I can only trust that you have read in full the objections submitted by Mr Gardner on behalf of the Parish Council, together with his appended appeal decisions that demonstrate the correct approach. You will be aware of the legal duty at the heart of the planning system. The scales do not start off on an even balance. As a matter of law, priority is accorded to the development plan. There have been many recent cases where the courts have quashed planning decisions for failure to follow this fundamental legal principle. I urge you not to fall into this trap. Uh, 
The appeal decisions confirm that policy S7 is an extant development plan policy of full force. The application is in clear breach of S7 and the development plan as a whole. The legal presumption must be one of refusal. It is only if there were compelling material considerations in favour of the proposal that approval could be justified. No such compelling considerations exist in this case. The Council is clearly able to demonstrate a five-year housing land supply, meaning there is no reason to treat the development plan as out of date. That the five-year housing land supply may possibly change in the future or not is no compelling reason to grant planning permission now. The government policy requirement is to demonstrate a five-year supply now. That in itself is inherently designed to deal with future needs up to five years hence. It also incorporates a 5% buffer which allows for future-proofing. There is simply no policy justification for granting planning permission on the basis of a future change in the future housing supply position. This is particularly the case where there is no certainty of viability or delivery of this proposal. It relies on others' land for access and for crucial SUDS infrastructure. There is no certainty that 40% affordable housing will be delivered, and you need to be aware, councillors, that the resolution you are being asked to make does not secure a particular 40% of le- level of affordable housing. In a very recent email, which has not been specifically mentioned by officers, Sports England have highlighted the valuable sports facility that the site currently provides. The only risk of losing that arises from this application. The provision of a replacement playing field provides no rational reason for a grant of permission contrary to the development plan. Indeed, it is clear that Sports England consider the status quo preferable as they are only willing to withdraw their objection if a stringent condition is imposed ensuring no break in provision. That condition is not, as far as I'm aware, included in your recommendation. Finally and importantly, the parish's transport expert has evidenced the severe harm that this proposal will cause in terms of worsening highway safety in one of the most vulnerable locations close to a primary school. This is plainly an additional strong material consideration weighing against the grant of permission. On behalf of the parish council, I urge you to reject this flawed proposal. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Wigley. Our final speaker is on behalf of the applicant, Mr. David Mosley. And under our rules, Mr. Mosley, I'm allowed to give you 15 minutes. Thank you. Good afternoon, Chairman and Members. I'm David Mosley, Planning Manager at Persimmon Homes, Essex. Thank you for visiting the site today and affording me the opportunity to address the committee. There is a recognised national and local imperative to deliver sufficient housing. Members will be aware of the increasing difficulty that some of their constituents face getting on the housing ladder and the high demand for affordable housing, particularly in village locations. The submitted local plan recognises that small-scale development would need to take place in rural settlements such as Henham. The evidence base to the now withdrawn local plan identified this site for residential developments in 2012. Evidence suggests there is a requirement for sites to come forward to meet housing needs and to boost housing land supply. This is recognised at paragraph 10.7 of the officer's report. The application seeks to deliver 36 new homes, the majority of which are family homes. 40% of the homes would be affordable housing secured through a section section 106 legal agreement, which can ensure that priority is given to local people who are currently on the housing waiting list. I understand the housing waiting list at present is around 1,800 households. 
In seeking to allocate the site in the 2012, it was recognised that development wouldn't harm the high quality natural and historic environment of Henham. In bringing these proposals forward, we have been mindful of the relationship with our neighbours. For residents of Vernon's Close, which adjoin the site to the north and west, the proposed houses have been set back from the boundary to ensure that privacy is maintained. Prior to the submission of the application, Persimmon engaged in discussions with Henham and the Irish Council. This identified a number of points that we have sought to incorporate within the proposals, and similarly engagement with the school. The boundary between the housing and the school is proposed to be defined with a fence and a thick native hedge containing trees, creating a visual barrier and screening of noise. A new gated staff car park containing four spaces is proposed to the east of the hedge, supplementing the existing staff parking. Proposal to extend and enlarge the school playing field has been supported by Sport England. and We echo the comments in relation to the requirement for a condition requiring the setting out and laying out of the the playing field. We note the school and parish council comments regarding children's safety, and this is clearly paramount. Whilst a large proportion of children walk to school, it is recognised that school traffic can be an issue on local roads in the morning and afternoon peak times. At present, the cul-de-sacs off School Road are used as informal dropping off and picking up points and turning areas. Children going to and from school have to cross these roads. It is proposed to provide a dedicated dropping off and picking up point on School Lane, right opposite the entrance to the school, and together with a dedicated pedestrian crossing point into the school grounds. This arrangement would mean that existing school traffic would not have to enter, park, manoeuvre and exit these side streets as children try to cross them on their way to and from school. I think this is an important factor that has not been touched upon to date. It is considered that the proposed arrangement is preferable and we commend it to members. The proposed arrangements have been subject to a safety audit. We recognise the need to carefully manage construction, including restricting construction access to outside school opening and closing times. We note on the recommendation is the condition requiring a construction environmental management plan. If members are minded to approve the application, it would be within their gift to impose such a, a restriction within that construction environmental management plan. We would also liaise closely with the school and the parish council regard to issues that have been raised in today's discussion. The application has been subject to a transport assessment which concludes that School Lane and the surrounding network have adequate capacity to serve the development, a view supported by the Highway Authority. We understand the sensitivities of the site. Since withdrawing a previous application, we have worked hard with officers to refine the proposals and to address concerns. The application has received support from a range of consultees and is recommended for approval. In relation to phasing, members have the ability to impose a condition relating to the phasing of the development, including the provision of the suds in advance of the provision of the housing, and similarly the, the playing fields to ensure that they are laid out to an adequate standard in advance of the, the loss of the area to the, the east of the, the west of the current school site. Members similarly have the ability to impose a condition regarding the width of the footpaths. Including to Mr Bamber's comments, the views that Mr Bamber advances aren't ones that are supported by the Highway Authority, Essex County Council. As I've touched upon within my committee address, no consideration was given to the existing situation, including school children's ability to walk to school 
without coming across traffic, exiting and accessing the various cul-de-sacs which lie off School Lane. Similarly, restrictions could be placed upon parking immediately outside of the picking up and dropping off points. Members be aware there is a traffic regulation order at present which precludes dropping off and picking up immediately outside the school site. In terms of the deliverability of the scheme, the application proposes 40% affordable housing, not up to 40% affordable housing. So this would deliver a much needed injection of affordable housing within this village set settlement. We respectfully request that members resolve to approve this development, which will deliver much needed high quality homes. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Mosley. Uh, before I throw it open to members, um, Mr. Brown would just like to clarify a few of the issues that were raised. Thank you. Just a couple of things to clarify. <clears throat> Going all the way back to Councillor Gleeson's statement. Uh, the site doesn't lie within the Greenbelt, so just to clarify that particular issue. It does lie out the development limits, but, it's in, in, but it's, it, it does not lie within the Greenbelt. Picking up one of the other speakers who referred to six, only 16 spaces to be provided. I don't think that particular speaker meant this, but the 16 spaces to be provided are staff car parking to be provided. The actual development itself, to use my term, washes its own face in terms of car parking. There is, there is more than adequate car parking spaces in accordance with our standards within the site. Um, so secondly, picking up the point from the Parish Council, um, the, the, the Speaker was right about the five-year land supply. We do need to consider the five-year five -year land supply as is. Obviously, we're, we're almost a year on from when that was actually stated, but um, that was, statement was made in July last year, and we had a five-year land supply. We now need to consider where we are now, and that will be a statement that will be made um, whilst the figures are worked out. But we have an obligation... There is a presumption in favour of sustainable development. A local plan is out of date for the reasons of its allocations within it. It doesn't allocate enough housing within it. Most of the allocations have been taken out. So its development limits and its allocations are out of date. For that reason, the presumption is in favour of sustainable development. And until we get a development plan that actually would take all those things into account. So that is why the application has been recommended for approval in terms... Having said all that, we still need to maintain a five-year land supply, but that is not the overarching reason why we're recommending approval. It's sustainable development. Ironically, its proximity to the school and the services makes it sustainable. And so that's where we're starting from. A couple of other issues. In terms of construction traffic, I'm, I'm not dismissing the situation regarding construction traffic, but construction is, is not in itself a reason why we should be dismissing an application. It is a challenge to develop this site adjacent to the school. And... Just as a matter of, it is a coincidence, but this particular developer itself has already developed a development of this size in Elsnum, directly adjacent to a primary school. <laughs> and therefore, I'm not saying it is an actual perfect situation, but that work has been worked, and the, and the developer has worked very closely with the school. And there is an obligation from the local authority to work with the school, the parishes, the local residents in terms of making this out. No one says this is going to be easy if members approve this, but the issues in terms of there is a duty of care for the construction traffic. And finally, and Karen will correct me if I'm wrong, in terms of the, the provision of the replacement playing field that, is, that needs to be provided prior to any development on the site and that, is secured, and that is secured through the section 106. That is why there is no condition because it is secured in terms of the section 106 clause. Thank you Mr Brown. Okay members, any comments, queries, questions? Councillor Fairhurst. Yes Mr Chairman. Um, 
There are two fairly important issues here. The one seems to be the risks um, and chaos of the construction period and, of course, the, the timing of the playing fields built up. I think we have to address, more importantly, whether this site is viable and sustainable in the longer term. It was, a good, it was a good thing, I think, for me, certainly, to go out there and see the site. I must say, from the one angle, it looks like an ideal site to build houses. Um, we obviously also need affordable houses in place. Um, however, the, the entrance and egress does worry me quite a lot. The statement was made that there's a TRO already in place because of parking. Um, in my experience, and as a parent with four children, there's only one thing less predictable than a child going to school, and that's a parent picking him up. Um, and what we don't want to do is create more hazard and more risk than we possibly need to. I think, unfortunately, this entrance renders the entire project unsustainable. It's simply, it's simply too high risk. That's why I will not be voting for it. Thank you, Councillor Fairhurst. Any other members wishing to contribute? Uh, Councillor Mills. No, keep pressing. You're on? No, you're off. You're off. Coming on. Don't keep scratching it, it will never get better. Thank you very much, Eric. Okay, here we go. A um, couple of questions, and I don't know if uh, Karen can answer them. Um, is the school at capacity? Is the school at capacity? Is there a waiting list for the school? Do we know the answer? The Education Authority has requested um, a, contribu a, con a contribution um, towards education but um, I haven't got their actual letter with me at the moment. Um, so, Actually, As the chairman of the governors and uh, headmistress of the school in, I will allow you to uh, inform us, please. Thank you. Yeah, temporary, yeah. Which means that we're not at full capacity at this point. It's one year we've got to start to move. Thank you very much. <coughs> and all the, right, okay. I've got that. Thank you. All right. And we've got temporary buildings already on the site. Um, there's other development occurring in Henham, I believe. There is um, two recently completed developments um, along on Chitney Road. Um, one's just nearing completion or has just completed, and the other one's um, been completed um, probably coming on for about a year now. Okay. And uh, have we got other sites in the call for sites in Henham? <laughs> I don't have that information with me. Okay. Um, yeah, just listening to Councillor Fairhurst, I'm also along with him in as much as I can't see this as sustainable. Um, while I can see that the houses can go in there, I just think that we're binding ourselves up with just more houses around a school, whereby we've got a school at the end of a cul-de-sac and we're, we've got the ability of leaving some green space where we might be able to expand the school in the future. It just seems really short-sighted to be closing it in like this, um, apart from the safety issues. Um, my own experience in Felsit and Stebbing where the school is compromised by parking issues is that uh, it's only getting worse and this to me just compounds the problem we've got. So um, my own opinion is I should be voting against this. 
Is that a proposal, Councillor? Um, under the circumstances, it's a proposal, Chairman. That you are proposing the application be refused under what uh, um, under policy? Gen 1, S7. Does that find a seconder? Seconded by Councillor Fairhurst. Any other members wishing to contribute? Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. I'd like to ask some questions about the parking. Is that working? Sorry. Is it? All right. Sorry. Um, the 16 car parking spaces, is that primarily for parents? And can you tell me how many car parking spaces there actually are for staff at the school and how many staff that there are that are working there? The existing staff car park isn't marked out in bays on the plan, so I don't know how many. Uh, the, one of the letters refers to 21, and I think the post was... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14. No, I don't have that information. It's not been submitted with the application. Yes, can anybody tell me that, please? I'm sure the headmistress could. <laughs> I hope. Yes, 28. Thank you. 28. So according to Uttlesford standards, there should be one space per two daytime teaching staff, waiting facilities and school transport spaces. That is a maximum. Can you tell me please, whether this adheres to that, because it doesn't seem to me. It's 28, so could you tell me if that adheres to that? God, I've gone off whatnot, and I hate these things. Yeah, can, I, can I just clarify this? I think Councillor Lachlan said the word maximum. It's a maximum car parking. Now, this... This is going to sound very perverse, but uh, you can, we cannot refuse this because of lack of car parking. We could have only refused it because there's too much car parking. Because in terms of well, what you do, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the standards that we have in terms that's of... That's a bit like the lunatics running the asylum, isn't it? <laughs> well, that, that is the adopted policy that we have when you're talking about business uses and when you're talking about uh, facilities and community facilities. There, you know, you can provide too much parking, but simply providing... Lots of parking will encourage people to go there by car. Don't forget, we are talking specifically here about staff car parking. And, and, and so, therefore, in terms of the staff parking, this is probably on the edge of the maximum car parking standards. And I'm not suggesting that we should reject it because it's above the maximum standards. Well, my concern is if, we're, if there are not enough car parking spaces for staff and uh, school transport, then staff, quite, you know, it's human nature, would encroach on the parents' car parking spaces, of which there are only 16. And I find that uh, a, quite a large uh, concern. I didn't go to the site visit this morning, but I do know the site. And uh, I don't think I would be able to vote on this either, because I don't think it's actually safe. Thank you, Councillor Lockland. Councillor, Councillor Freeman, sorry, missing you out last time. They lose it for the 
considerable about the land near their school. Uh, of course, it's still going on. And they lose other options as well. In addition to that, in terms of buildings, like goodness knows how long the developer actually decided they finished off the site. And the traffic movements, even when the site is finished and all the houses are occupied, <coughs> and with the uh, and following the intersection 106 degrees will be satisfied, then there will still be traffic in and out. Of course, there will be about 30 odd houses occupied. Um, I find it very hard to go along with this, and I certainly will not support it. I think uh, this. We have a five year land supply, that is the. We have a five year land supply, that is the test. As of this moment in time, tomorrow it might be different. We are dealing with today. Today we have a sufficiency of five year plus five percent. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. Any other members? Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, Chairman, I, I have no problem with the, the layout and the 40% and everything else. My one concern is the access. The road that leads in there is extremely narrow. You can put whatever traffic regulation orders you like on there, but when it comes to school children, parents, and probably some parents might not like me say this, but parents will drive their car up to the school. If there were another, you would be able to find another access, then I would have no problem at all. But going right past the front of the school, whatever they do, you are going to, on safety grounds, you are going to cause problems. I will say no more. Thank you. Uh, Mr Brown would like to uh, clarify something with Councillor Mills. Thank you. You haven't put, you haven't put your hands up yet, but I think I can see where this is going. Um, picking up Councillor Mills's recommendation, well, sort of proposal to refuse and his reasons for refusal, he raised Gen 1 and S7. On Gen 1 first, um, I think there is a particular issue, obviously, that members have got an issue with. It's as simple as the access going through, this, through this past the school. And so I think we need to be more precise in terms of Gen 1. Um, I don't think we can argue that the access is not suitable to serve this amount of dwellings, because it, it is. It is suitable. And I think that's very, very difficult. You are then going against the highway authority in terms of how you're doing it. I think what members are looking at... It's the C bit. It's the C bit of Gen 1, which says the design of the site must not compromise road safety, must take account of needs of cyclists, pedestrians, public transport users, horse riders, and people whose mobility is impaired. And I think, in terms of that, children going to school is what members are raising. I think if this was not, if you didn't have a school in the middle of all this, I'm not putting words in your mouth, you wouldn't necessarily have the access issues that you have here. It's not to do. It's the whole issue in terms of that road. So I would suggest maybe that you go a little, that you hone on in terms of specific, and we, we can hone a, a, a refusal reason around Gen 1C. You don't necessarily have to say C, but we can do it around that. I would say you'll have very difficulty saying S7. It is, you cannot argue that this site is not sustainable in terms of where it's located. Directly, ironically, directly adjacent to the school, directly relations to facilities. So I would urge you to maybe not consider the S7 bit, but consider the Gem 1 issue, because that is the critical issue. It's the, I think if, the, if you, that is the principal issue that members. Obviously, it's your it's your proposal, and it's also been it's also been seconded. But I would hone it towards that particular issue. Yes. Sorry. Microphone, Alan, please. Sorry. 
realise that. I just started speaking louder. <coughs> development will only be permitted if its appearance protects or enhances the particular character of the part of the countryside within which it is set. Um, so we've got a school in this particular character or in this particular setting and I just don't think it enhances it. I just think it's narrow-minded. We're going to have more development in Henham. We're going to have to put the kids into school. The school may need to grow. Yeah, okay. Ironically, one thing you need to do if you're recommending refusal of this is to include, because you're not securing contributions towards education anyhow. Yeah. So I would, I would actually suggest... Gen 6 as well, which is lack of provision of infrastructure to support the development, which is more or less what you're saying, but we would have to do that anyway, because by, by refusing this application at appeal, we would need to defend it on the basis yeah, of the lack of provision, so I would suggest Gen 6. So, so what we I'll have consider those words put into my mouth. Suggested, suggested. <laughs> so you've got Gen 1, Gen 6, but are you still sticking with S7 is the question. Um, I'd still like to keep S7 in. Sure call, sure call. Fine. In the absence then of uh, councillors making to wish further contributions, um, we have a proposal for refusal with uh, reasons given Gen 1 uh, subset 6, a C, a Gen 6 and S7. That's been uh, proposed and that's second. Are you happy with those qualifications? Thank you. So we'll go to the vote on that. Please, all those in favour of refusal, please show. And against? Any abstentions? And one abstention. So that application is refused. Thank you. We just have a two minute stay in your seats, councillors, while the room clears. Thank you. Okay, members, we'll carry on. Uh, item 4.2 on the agenda, councillors, thank you, is application UTT 15 stroke 3768. It's an application for full planning consent in Saffron Walden. And Mrs. Shoesmith will give us the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. The application site uh, that's before us is located um, between Caton's Lane, which runs along here. Um, there's also public footpath number 10, which runs along here and past the site, and also between Lyme Avenue, which is located here on the site. The applications for the erection of 31 dwellings with associated roads, car parking and landscaping as well. Um, this is a full application, a detailed application that we have before us. 
The application site itself lies outside of the development limits um, of Saffron Walden and on the edge of Saffron Walden. Um, the development limits are, that's the edge here, the line. So it's, um, as I say, outside, technically within um, countryside, um, but I'll go on about that in a bit more detail later on. Um, the site was formerly used as um, agricultural land and covers an area of uh, 0.77 hectares. Um, affordable housing, 15 affordable housing units have been previously developed along um, the east of the site located here and football pitches uh, located here which is part of a previous application associated with um, the, the balance of development which is located on Ashton Road. Um, the, as I said, the public footpath runs along here. It also links up to public footpath number 12, which runs um, behind the site to the west. The ground levels of the site um, slightly incline from the southwest to the northeast of the site. Vehicular access is gained from um, Little Walden Road um, and Interlime Avenue located here. Um, there is, as part of the development of um, Lime Avenue, a pedestrian um, footpath link um, which is located here. The detailed uh, breakdown of the proposed units is um, highlighted in section 3.4 on page 30 of the report. Um, if I go into detail in terms of what is proposed, um, this is the proposed layout of the scheme, which is this part here. The units itself uh, that are proposed would frame the perimeter of the site fundamentally along the edges, facing onto Lyme Avenue, onto the playing field pitches located to the north here, and also um, facing onto Caton's Lane and towards the Slade. The houses themselves, um, just a, a quick note, within the report on, in paragraph 10.21, an error has been made. It refers to single-storey dwellings. It's actually solely two and two-and-a-half storey dwellings which are proposed in the scheme. This is the storey layout of the dwellings, the yellow being the two-storey dwellings and the pink um, are the um, two and a half storey units which I'll show you the elevations in a second. Um, in terms of the layout, 40% um, of affordable housing is proposed on site. Um, I don't think you can really properly sit from there. Um, the units that have A in front of them are the affordable units, which are these here, which are fronting onto the um, um, football pitches. And there's units um, down here to the southeast corner of Limes Avenue as well. In terms of elevations, um, this is roughly what the scheme would look like. Um, amendments have been made to to the two and a half storey units which I'll show you in a second. Also one of the affordable housing units here that's been amended to reduce the level of bulk. 
Um, this is a perspective of what the scheme would look like, which is reflective of the affordable housing units that are located to the east of the site. Um, this is an idea of what the design of the schemes will be. One of the units um, which is located here is a masonette, the ground floor being the wheelchair accessible unit. There's another accessible unit, wheelchair accessible unit to the corner of the site on plot. I can't see, I think it's five, I could be wrong. <laughs> um, so this is what the um, units would look like elevationally. Um, that's the revised scheme. As you can see, it's been um, amended in terms of its roof profile. And a couple of the other units there. This is the um, two and a half story where the dormers have been uh, more defined and set further into the roof. The overall heights of the scheme uh, would vary between 7.2 and 10.2 metres in height. Um, the, the, obviously, the two and a half storey up would be the larger units. Um, however, that, those would be sited on the lower ground level to the southwest of the site here. Um, so, um, say, as the ground levels increase, the heights would um, reflect that as well. The applicant's case, the site history, policies and representations have been highlighted within pages 31 to 40 of the report. The Town Council's objection has also been highlighted within the report as well. No objections have been raised by statutory consultees and those which have been uh, raised uh, predominantly from the previous um, withdrawn application, those have been addressed over a period of time. The design in terms of density, heights, back-to-back -back distances and orientation um, overall is considered to be acceptable. The amenity space, um, as demonstrated on page 30 of the report, either meets or exceeds um, the Essex Design Guide. Uh, the report highlights that a couple of spaces are below standard uh, on paragraph 10.32 of the report. However, these can be amended um, to meet the standards subject to conditions should planning permission be granted. As stated, 40% of housing uh, is proposed on site together with 5% wheelchair accessible housing. In terms of the principle of the scheme, um, the, re the report is under... Um, designated countryside and also falls within policy SW7, um, which again has been highlighted within page 40 of the report and paragraph 10.1. Policy SW7 lists, identifies the land to be used for a, a number of various uses. Um, as I say, the report goes into detail about that. These policies have been assessed in context of the MPPF, which um, is obviously more recent and in, um, also in context of the Anne Skipper's report as well. As a result of that, it has been concluded that policy SW7 and S7 is outweighed by the um, MPPF and the site's sustainability. 
No objections um, are raised in highway terms, both in terms of movement and the number of car parking spaces proposed on site. Um, it should be noted uh, that the two and a half storeys, um, there's uh, what, one of the rooms um, located on the first floor identified as a lounge could be possibly used as a bedroom, but obviously, depending through choice, um, an additional car parking space is required, but uh, the report addresses that based on the site's um, location um, in terms of sustainability and um, obviously the possible choice of use, um, it's acceptable that there, there is a reduction in, um, in parking standards for those particular units. The landscaping which is proposed um, as you saw on site, there is a lack of uh, landscaping on site. There is a singular tree on site. Um, this will be um, increased uh, with a buffer being created along the perimeter site, along Caton's Lane, uh, and along further into the site facing the, um, the slade. So it will blend into um, the wider, uh, wider area. No ecological objections have been raised. In terms of flooding and drainage, these have been discussed on pages 47 and 48. Um, Essex County Council SUDS um, objections have since been addressed and now removed their objections subject to conditions which have been highlighted in the report. In terms of air quality, um, negligible impact has been concluded by the Environmental Health Officer taking into account cumulative impacts um, and therefore no objection has been raised by them. Overall, the scheme accords with policy and is recommended for approval, subject to Section 106 obligations as highlighted on page 50. Also, subject to conditions um, outlined within the report, uh, with the amendments to Condition 7 uh, on page um, 51. It's just some of the wording, so it reads right. Um, prior to the occupation of the proposed development, A. Um, pedestrian stroke cycle connection shall be provided in the vicinity of plots 21 and 22 on the west side um, of the public footpath uh, 10 to facilitate, the town, to facilitate access to the town centre and details shall be submitted to and approved in writing by the local planning authority. Um, later on um, it should read the approved scheme shall therefore shall thereafter be carried out um, in its entirety uh, prior to first occupation of the development. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Shoesmith. Now we have a, uh, two speakers on this application. The first is Dan Starr. No, thank you. Uh, you. You can just read to us, please, Mr. Starr. Thank you. And you have three minutes. Thank you, thank Chairman. You. Uh, good afternoon. I'd like to talk about this uh, uh, Lyme Avenue uh, development. I'd like to start by saying that the site has the opportunity to deliver a good number of much-needed affordable homes in Saffron Walden. However, the full planning application in front of you falls well short. And unfortunately, the officer's report is also somewhat muddled, confuses key issues, and misses some fundamental elements. Firstly, and most importantly, affordable homes. This development is one of two sites that the applicant is developing in Saffron Walden. The long-standing agreement with the developer was that they would be allowed to reduce the percentage of affordable homes on their other Tudor Park site by regions, as long as they provided 100% affordable on this Lyme Avenue site. But this application only offers 39% affordable, not the full 100% as agreed. 
Why has the developer been allowed to break their two-site agreement and cheat the town out of affordable homes? Secondly is sustainable access to the town centre. The officer's report is very muddled and contradicts itself with regard to sustainable town centre access. The site is 1.1 kilometres from the town centre via its connecting road. However, the officer's report claims that the town centre is only 800 metres away. Handily, the maximum that the Chartered Institute of Highways and Transportation allows for it to be considered sustainable. How can both be true? Well, there is an 800 metre walking route, but, and I quote from the officer's report, via a restricted substandard public footpath. In fact, it isn't a footpath at all. It crosses a car park where lorries turn, passes a busy town centre car park, and goes up Caton's Lane that has no footpath. It's dangerous and unsuitable for children and pushchairs. Encouragingly, the officer report says that the proposal provides uh, suitable pavements, road widths and visible splays so that the needs of cyclists, pedestrians, horse riders and those with impaired mobility can be safely met. But then goes on to say, requests for a new footpath along Caton's Lane are unreasonable in size and scale in relation to the scheme, and so strikes that obligation. So in effect, because there is no proposal to provide a suitable safe footpath, the site is actually 1.1 kilometres from the centre of Saffron Walden and therefore is no more sustainable than any other remote site in Saffron Walden. So where do you go from here? Well, the district has a five-year supply with a 5% buffer. That means this development is not currently needed and there are good, strong grounds for refusal. However, we as residents would like the Planning Committee to approve this site for development, but only subject to the following obligations that the agreed 100% affordable home provision is met and that the developer provides proper and safe pedestrian access to the town centre via the 800 metre route. Otherwise, we'd like the planning committee to consider to refuse this application on the grounds that it is unneeded and unsustainable. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Starr. And our next speaker is the applicant, uh, William Vogt. And you two have three minutes, Mr Vogt. Thank you. Okay, thank you and uh, good afternoon. Um, I hope we can all agree on the need for good housing in the right spots. And I'd like to take this opportunity to let me show you the need for good housing and the right spots. Firstly, in terms of the need, as shown in the report, there's identified a shortfall in the council's housing land supply. I can relate, uh, as a man with a young family, I struggle to find something good that I can afford near to my work. And in times of shortfall, it's important to consider the pros and cons of any site that come forward. Incidentally, the site was previously identified for housing as part of the Lime Avenue housing scheme. The site is available and deliverable now. Secondly, in terms of good housing, by which I mean design and policy compliance, as we've heard, there's a provision of uh, affordable housing um, as part of the family housing on the scheme, wheelchair accessible homes, the development is built to lifetime home standards and incorporates secure by design features too. The scheme is a sympathetic traditional design. We've worked closely with the council, including the case officer, to improve the scheme. Garden sizes are compliant, sufficient parking is provided, appropriate drainage systems are there too, and measures to mitigate air pollution. There's a financial contribution to the local schools, and there's a choice to access the town either on foot, either by Caton's Lane or by Little Walden Road. These are all characteristics of good housing. The third point, the right spot, you might say sustainable development. As you know, that's made up of three main uh, strands, economic, social and environmental features. Economically, employment will be generated through the construction phase of development and the future residents will be a boost to the local economy as they spend their hard-earned money in the surrounding area. 
socially. They're also providing a supply of uh, housing, including affordable homes. There's access to sustainable transport, walking, cycling, buses, and the site is close to many facilities and services, schools, health, uh, jobs, and shops too. Environmentally, the scheme would enhance biodiversity through creating new habitats, and there are good transport choices which would help to minimise carbon emissions. So to conclude, there are no technical uh, objections to the scheme, as in terms of highways, drainage, education, housing, conservation, environmental health or ecology, and the proposal would meet a specific, identified need, deliver good housing, compliant with local and national standards, and be in a great, sustainable spot. And accordingly, I encourage the members to agree with the officer's recommendation for approval. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Vogt. Um, Mr. Brown, there's a couple of items there I think you need to clarify for us. Just a Thank couple you. of bits of clarification. First of all, uh, what Mr. Starr said, uh, just to make it clear, the approval of the site on Ashton Road opposite Ridgins uh, did have a shortfall of affordable housing, which required 15 houses to be provided on this site. Those were the houses you saw today. So they have not reneged on that particular deal. So that's what's being provided on the site. And secondly, uh, correct in the, the last speaker, he did infer that we have not got a, an adequate supply of housing. We have. It, we have got a five-year land supply. I'm repeating what I said before. Um, that is not the reason why we're recommending it for approval, because of a lack of five-year land supply. It's a sustainability discussion, which Mr Starr has started off in terms of discussion. And finally, uh, Mr Vogt did infer that this site has been made has been earmarked for development. It might be mentioned on the proposals map it was not allocated for housing and so that is incorrect. So just to, just to clarify so members can make the decision on the right terms. Okay, Councillor Freeman and then I've got Councillor Hicks. I'll see his finger poised. Thank you. Yeah, thank you Chairman. Uh, I am one of the ward councillors for the ward in which this development is proposed and I know the land very well indeed because I was party to this. In 2009, when we first started talking about it, uh, and it's taken a surprising amount of time to come to any sort of fruition at all. I would refer you to the uh, local plan, which is still the local plan, the 2005. As we all know, the uh, revised version of that was thrown out by the inspector, uh, and we're working on a, on a current one. But until then, the 2005 local plan is the one to which we work. Uh, and very clearly on the extant plan, the one we're working to, this land is not designated particularly for housing. It is designated, it's ring-fenced for community centre, and residential development will be an absolute contradiction of the local plan. Uh, and although there is the national planning policy framework, which has emerged since 2005, it doesn't change the statutory status of the development plan as a starting point for decision making. Uh, I read from the Town Council's submission on this. Proposed development that accords with an up-to-date local plan should be approved. And proposed development that conflicts should be refused unless other material considerations indicate otherwise. Uh, the NPPF is quite specific in its advice that proposed development which conflicts with the local plan as this one does should be refused. The it was at some stage, this, the, the original thinking behind this site mutated into putting houses on it. Uh, it's not sure how that came about. It was embedded in the Section 106 agreement at one stage, but once again, a Section 106 agreement does not trump a local plan. The fact that somebody's managed to slip it in doesn't make it right. Uh, 
Uh, having said all of that, we do have a need. We don't have a housing need in the sense that we have an adequate housing supply, but we do have a need for affordable houses. That is true. But if we can go to the elevation <coughs> on this, please, that would be very good. Thank you. Now, the, I know we haven't adopted the Essex Design Guide, but when I last served on this committee, it was a watchword that we used. It seems to have passed away. Uh, but these houses in front of us wouldn't comply with the Essex Design Guide on most criteria. Chairman, this development is very close to the historic centre of Saffron Warden, and these houses are seriously ordinary. There's no design merit to them at all. They've really just been stuck in like little Lego houses or Monopoly houses. They really don't have any um, merit that I can see, and very clearly have avoided any reference to the Essex Design Guide or anything else. These are cheap houses to build, and uh, they're on land where actually no houses are agreed according to the local plan. So I maintain that we should refuse this application, unless, of course, the developer is generous enough to say, well, they can all be affordable, in which case it would meet a very real need in Saffron Warden, whereas the last speaker eloquently expressed it is virtually impossible for first-time buyers and young people to get a roof over their head. Thank you, Councillor. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Jim. Uh, having... Uh played the site in part of the team that went to the site visit this morning and heard what the officers had to say, read the reports. It seems to me this is a perfectly uh, acceptable um, development to, to come before us. And it may not be anything remarkable in design terms, as Councillor Freeman has remarked, but on the other hand, it's, uh, if we're looking to um, uh, provide housing which is available at a, an affordable cost to younger people, then perhaps we can't expect um, extremely um, high degrees of um, architectural excellence. But uh, it seems to me, in all the respects that I um, was able to observe, that this is a good um, development which should be um, approved. And, uh, and Chairman, I think I would like to uh, make a formal um, request that it be um, the proposal for acceptance. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Does that find a seconder? Um. Councillor Chambers is seconded. Thank you. Did you wish to did you wish to speak at the start? May I speak now? You wish me to speak now, Mr. Chairman? Yes, please. Um, uh, yes, Mr. Chairman, I have uh, pleasure in seconding this report. Uh, uh, unlike Councillor Freeman, who uh, I'm not a ward member, but my family does go back in Saffron Warden 400 years. So I'm proud of Saffron Warden, and I'm proud that it, the way it has developed. It is still one of the best market towns in the country. It goes on about affordable housing. You've got affordable housing here. You've got a site that's got a natural boundary that joins onto the football uh, uh, pitch or the football club along the front there. You have uh, uh, an ideal situation where it's not far from the, centre, uh, the town centre. Admittedly, you have to walk, walk more than 10 yards, but nevertheless, it's not very far away. You have access to it. It, I think, is entirely suitable, and I have pleasure in seconding that. Thank you, Councillor James. Councillor Mills. <coughs> um, 
I'm with Councillor Chambers on this one, in as much as, although I applaud the uh, idea that we could build 100% affordable, uh, we have to allow the developer to make some money. Uh, otherwise, it's just impossible to build it. I mean, there's a lot of infrastructure cost and everything else, and uh, without some market houses, we're just not going to get anywhere. So uh, I shall be supporting this application. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst. Mr Chairman, yes, I think every now and again we, we find ourselves in a position where we're really not just looking at a rejection or acceptance of a proposal. Um, this is one of these very rare occasions. We went out there today and the land looks rather nice as it is now, as open land tends to, um, but we faced a number of, of technical issues such as distance to the centre of town and so on. It is correct to say that given a decent footpath, 800 metres to the centre of town is rather nice and certainly in keeping with the idea of being a market town. So in a perverse way, I really support um, some, to some extent what Councillor Higgs um, proposes um, and that is that we do need affordable housing. But that's the problem, isn't it? Because, and, and I'm, not, you know, I, I'm not a judge of, in terms of the, the, the presentation and the design of the house, but... The problem with these houses is they're not affordable. They're 40% of them affordable, and the balance aren't affordable. Um, and so I really am in the same dilemma. If we could prevail upon the developer to produce more affordable houses, I'd support it. At the current point, it's just another development, just another development with poor footpaths and just another process. And that's not what we want. This is very important land. It really is close to the centre of town, and we need to develop the town and its people together. There is a shortage of affordable housing near Saffron Walden. So I'd be voting against this or voting for a, a different formula with, with more affordable housing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, in the absence of anybody else wishing to speak, I've got a couple of questions for Mr. Brown. <clears throat> um, the status of policy area SW7, please. Could we have some clarification on that? The, <coughs> the uh, policy is clearly there. Um, the Skipper's Report, and for the, for the benefit of the, probably the audience who don't probably appreciate what Skipper's Report is, Skipper's Report was a compatibility study that was carried out in in middle of 2012 in terms of how, it, how our current local plan complies with the current MPPF. And, there was a, and basically the local plan is, is up to date on, on most of its development management policies, um, but it, it fell short in terms of its allocations and it fell short on the development limits. Um, SW7, and because we are talking um, within the town centre or close to the town centre in a sustainable location, uh, the Skipper's report wasn't clear, but it actually indicated that uh, probably the, the allocation of the, the, the balance of the site of the community centre, because don't forget the 15 dwellings that have been provided and the, the football pitches that will be provided complies with that policy fully, um, is completely, is slightly not compatible with the, the MPPF, um, whilst we should be pushing for sustainable. But I'm not saying that SW7 is necessarily completely defunct as a policy. So, so I, I would say members need to make a judgment over whether they feel, still feel SW7 is, is current or not. Um, it's not black and white on this particular case. Oh, Councillor Fairhurst. Yeah, Mr Chen, that's the whole point. We have a chance here to do something special. A simple acceptance of the proposal allows us to do just more of the same. I suggest we reject and we go back to the drawing board and we do a better job. It's an opportunity. You've got playing fields, you've got green spaces, you can make a decent footpath and we can save a space. We can't do it again. Once it's irrevocable, once we've done it, it's done it. So I think we should really look at this and do something special. Let's be a little bit excellent today. 
Thank you. Um, and the other question I wanted to raise was, yeah, Councillor Lachlan, I'll come to you shortly. Yeah. Did you wish? Yeah, you had. Okay, hang on. Um, well, it's in my mind. Uh, the question of the state of the footpath from our site up to wherever it goes was um, criticised. Whose responsibility is that? Do we know? Sorry, the footpath on Limes Avenue? No, no. I understand the situation on Limes okay. Avenue. That road is not made up to um, adoptable standards completely. The, the finishing courses are not there, mm -hmm. and understandably so. There was the footpath leading from the car park area uh, near the football pitch up to wherever it goes. There was No, not that way. Uh, this way. Up to the town, yeah. That's uh, County Council. That's County Council. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that... The fact that that's neglected is not the responsibility of this developer. And it's not something, the question to Mr. Brown was, mm -hmm. is that something we could ask our developer to, were we minded to approve this to make a contribution towards the upgrade of I think yes, because I think picking up Mr. Starr's comments and being part of the connectivity to the town centre, it is relevant to this particular development. Thank you. Okay, uh, Councillor Lockney. Well, I have every sympathy with Councillor Fairhurst. It would be great. Uh, but if every developer, I'm sorry I have to say this, if every developer built affordable homes, they'd go out of business. They, they would not be able to uh, afford. Uh, you know, well, the only reason they can afford to build the affordable because the market housing will help to contribute towards paying for those. Um, you know, in the future, I mean, the government have actually said that we don't need to build affordable homes. We developers don't have to do it. So while we have this policy, we should make the most of it. It would be awful if, we would, if it were to disappear altogether because we put so much pressure on developers. And I do understand, and I, actually, I do agree with you, but um, it's a difference, but I don't know, between Aldi and uh, Waitrose. Uh, you know, some people, you have to make more more profit sometimes in order to get better value so um, that's just a point I want to make but also I want to say something about the Essex design guide here because this must be very confusing for everybody because it says here that some of them fall below the Essex design guide and then and the next paragraph, they exceed the Essex Design Guide. So do we take any notice of the Essex Design Guide, or is it obsolete, or do we just take notice of it when it suits us? I think we need some guidance on this, because, I mean, I've been on this committee, I think it's 14 years, and the Essex Design Guide, or it is a guide, I know that, and the planning inspector will say that, but that is what we use, we've always used it, and the same as parking standards, are only a guide, but we usually stick to them. So you can't in one paragraph say, oh, it falls below the Essex Design Guide, and then in the other one say, oh, but it exceeds it. So, well, that was good. I like that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if, uh, if we could have some guidance on the guidance, would be good. Yes, please. The, sorry, the Essex Design Guide is literally that guidance, but... It's nationally renowned as a good indicator 
of garden sizes, separation distances. Um, it is stricter than experiences that I've had across the border in Cambridgeshire, but it is a good indicator of what constitutes good garden, amenity space, what constitutes good separation distances. We haven't adopted it as, as a policy because it is a lot more to it than just separation distances and garden sizes. It goes a lot into design, it goes into a lot into parking courts, things like that, which probably we would not have the stomach for in this authority because Essex is a big county. And the reason why we refer specifically to the garden sizes is because it's a good rule of thumb in terms of guidances there. But it is just that. And I think picking up the report... We, and that's why when we check through the committee report in terms of whether it complies or not, and we do this again at appeal as well, it's a good rule of thumb to say, well, the gardens generally comply, um, sometimes they exceed, and that's all we're doing. We've just given a run through. It has, has absolutely no status, because if we didn't have the Essex Design Guide and we felt that the gardens were inadequate, we would just be saying the gardens are inadequate with nothing to back on. But that's all we were doing. So it is literally just guidance, but it's good guidance. Does that help you, Councillor? Yes, it does, but I'd just like to make a point that I don't think that Waitrose is any better than Aldi. I bought some very nice sausages in Aldi. I was just trying to make a point. <laughs> Thank you very much. Councillor Freeman. <laughs> Where do well, you buy your sausages? What can we say? <laughs> what, what, I gather they sell very good scotch in Aldi. Scotch is a very good place for that, apparently. I wouldn't know. Um, just two points, Chairman. Thank you. Uh, one is that the Essex Design Guide is more than just the size of the garden. It's, it relates to all sorts of things, such as fitting in with the environment. Uh, it's been a great service in the villages, and having it dismissed is unreasonable, in my view. It's, it has helped modern development uh, in historic locations, and I think it should have more significance than it does at the moment. I would refer us, once again, back to 7.5, page 34, of the officer's report, basically, uh, that this land, according to the policy, is set aside for community centre and not for residential development. That is a matter of record, Chairman, and we seem to be ignoring that. Thank you. Um, we haven't got an application for community centre in front of us to determine, so we have to concentrate on this one. Um, two points I wanted to raise, if we are minded to approve this. I didn't like the change in the roof line <coughs> where they introduced a valley. I think that's a disaster. Um, I hope they go back on. I'm quite happy with the continuous ridge line. Um, if we were to have 100% uh, affordable housing on this site, 50% uh, of them at least would be shared ownership. Um, so that introduces a market price element, I'm afraid. So, um, you know, I, I don't think we can go down that route. Um, in absence of anybody else wishing to speak, I'm going to go to the vote. We've got a proposal for approval um, with the conditions as attached. Um, all those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five. And those against? One, two. And uh, abstentions? One. Thank you very much. That matter is approved. Thank you. Our next uh, item on the agenda, item 4.3, is application UTT 153537, another application for full planning consent in Saffron Warden, and Mr Theobald will make the presentation. Thank you.
Thank you, Chair. Members obviously saw the site this morning and got an appreciation, hopefully, of the, the site and its surroundings. Just uh, three bits of housekeeping, really, following on from this morning's uh, visit. First of all, there was a reference to the uh, cross-section drawing and uh, the ability or otherwise for um, people to walk off the uh, access road there onto the gardens. The architect does say yes, that was an omission on the drawings and that uh, steps would be provided. Um, the, the intention to provide the uh, retaining wall was to provide a better demarcation essentially between the road surface and the, the gardens below rather than having a sort of a sloping up to the road um, it was felt retaining walls uh, but yes you're right um, uh, steps will be provided very much like they have been up in uh, the terrace block for phase one Secondly, there was a reference we stood out on the road frontage here and looking at the alignment and just uh, uh, for clarification, Chairman and others uh, spoken to the architects again and as you will see from the red line area here to outline the site, the area of the site does not extend any further beyond the existing boundary line of the site. So I think that's important to stress. There's one or two concerns. It might be encroaching into the, uh, the highway, but it's not. It's maintaining the same frontage line. And thirdly, uh, the bin collection points uh, here for uh, units two and three in the middle, where the bin collection points for units one here and units four here. Uh, there's a reference in condition seven for bin collection area for units one and two, four, so that would just become four units two to three in that condition. Uh, essentially, just to say that we are talking about a frontage of uh, four terrace uh, dwellings to, to match, to replicate what is on phase one with a uh, one four bedrooms dwelling to the rear. As I pointed out on site, the car parking provision is uh, too standard in every respect, both in terms of allocation and also car parking spaces, and there would be a net uh, uh, difference, uh, again, of two visitor parking spaces for the entire site when you take into account the visitor parking ratio. Uh, the garden sizes for uh, units one to four on the terrace block are slightly below standard. It is accepted that this is the case. Uh, the idea here was that the location of the site is sustainable uh, near to the town centre on a bus route and close to amenities, both the Lord Butler Leisure Centre and also the common in the other direction. And uh, this uh, principle was applied to the frontage block here for phase one in a previous application. So just to say, Chairman, that this application uh, is up for approval where it fills in the gap, the residue formed by the completion of phase one. Uh, it is a brownfield site, therefore, in principle, uh, the NPPF encourages brownfield development. In principle uh, confirmed by its location. The design is acceptable in officers' view, the layout 
and also the uh, parking and access um, as per the recommendation, Chairman. So the application is recommended for approval. Thank you, Mr Theobald. And we have one speaker, that's the agent for the applicant, that's Mr Philip Kratz. Do you have three minutes, Mr Kratz? Thank you. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I'll try not to take all of them. Um, I do feel slightly left out because I say I'm the agent on this application and it's within the settlement limits, it's within policy, it's within national and local policy and it's been bespoke design to the site. So, so far today at least, I feel different to those that have gone before me. Um, but I think it illustrates how easy planning can be. Uh, first question is, is the principle of development okay? And if the principle's okay, are the details okay? And on this site, um, as the officer has already explained, and um, I ought to explain also that the officers have helped hone the development so that it uh, is um, as compliant as is appropriate with all national and local policy. Um, it, it, it's been honed and bespoke designed uh, to the site. Um, it, it is completing the Goddard's Yard development. The frontage development, to some extent, speaks for itself, and the idea is to have something which looks completely in keeping and shapes that part of the character of the road. Um, obviously, it's on a part of the site that belongs to the Secretary of State, um, who is um, so keen uh, that the development goes ahead that he's sitting uh, with a signed Section 106 in anticipation of today. Uh, not that uh, I would count the, the chickens until they're hatched. Um, it has been bespoke design so that in terms of the um, impact on existing residential users, there's no overlooking, overshadowing, loss of privacy, dominating effect, all the things you would normally run through in terms of um, perhaps you style them, the, the principles of good neighbourliness and um, it's quite remarkable in many ways that the only comments received have been in uh, respect of the number of parking spaces um, when as Mr Browns explained if anything we're in danger of having too much parking on such a, um, a sustainable site um, but in fact there's been no um, objections from other neighbouring interests and um, the town council have been in favour of it. Um, everything else is subject to condition. The, the decontamination is all lined up and jacked up, so uh, de uh, contamination and remediation. And um, I, I mentioned the Section 106 agreement, of course, that is uh, in lieu of the affordable housing on site. Um, and that's not necessarily the developer's choice. That's because it's jolly hard to get a registered provider to take one house and so um, everything is completely policy compliant. So in that context, and I say bearing in mind the fact that your officers um, have helped shape um, the development, uh, I commend the officers' report to you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kratz. Oh. Yeah. 23 seconds. Right. Okay. Uh, members, over to you. Any, uh, Councillor Fairhurst? Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, this is in my ward, in fact, and I thought that the, the, the development looked rather good. There are a couple of questions, though. The one was to be discussed today um, was the question of steps for that incline, that 1.2-metre incline. Have we got any results on that? Any more information on that? Yes, Mr. Theobald explained that before in his report. So the steps for all of them. He didn't explain the, the steps answer. from the bin area. Down into but the that's garden. only for the two houses, not the other, the other houses. Yeah, they've got side entrances. So they've all got steps right. upwards into that car park. No, they can't. They... Go I'm trying to find, if, I'm in, if I'm in the outer two, can I yeah. go into my garden and then get to the car park? Uh, that's my understanding. Although, you'd, if you're unit one, then uh, unless they provide around. steps in, mm. into the, uh, this area here, which can be done for all four units... 
uh, certainly the, for units two and three for the bin collection points, but there's no reason why they cannot provide steps up into the car parking area uh, for units one and four. It was simply an omission on the drawings. Which, okay, so that's uh, something the, we will attend to. Yes, indeed. I mean, if it, if it requires a revised drawing as a condition, if the application is approved, then obviously we'll in, insist upon their steps showing for that, uh, that profiling. So would that be something we have to mention now or something you will take care of? We can take care of it. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and the second, of course, the, the pavement is not being encroached on. That's a very good, good sign. Um, just a question, maybe I'm not understanding this at all. How many houses have been built on this entire site, the overall project? This is just one project, but of the overall project. Yes, if you, if you refer to the planning history on uh, page two, uh, you will see there's oh. been a... Uh, on page two of the report, yes. page 56. Page 56 oh, big pardon. Sorry, yeah, it's my, my my copy. Um, yes, uh, there was a there was a renewal of um, uh, an application on outline uh, for details for 12 dwellings on the site, and uh, then uh, that was uh, subject to um, a further application for uh, 14. Uh, dwellings which were approved and it's, I believe it's the 14 dwelling development which has been built out as, as phase one. There was a variation to the bottom unit which was I think plot 10 here to extend the hard standing area further into this area here. So is a total of 36 then, well, so 31 sorry on this, on this overall site? No. Once these five are given? No, no. 14 originally. 14 and 12 or not? Plus. 14, 14 originally plus five. Yes, so 19. Okay, fine. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, fine. Anybody else? Councillor Chambers? I'd just like to propose approval, Mr. Chairman. And that's seconded by Councillor Davey. Thank you. Anybody else wishing to comment? Oh, we'll go straight to the vote then. All those in favour of approval, please show. Thank you. That matter is approved. Next item on the agenda, 4.4, is application UTT 153594, application for full planning consent at Clavering. No, it's not. Beg your pardon. I've jumped one. 4.4, UTT 152950, application for full planning consent at Saffron Walden, and Mr Alana will take us through the presentation. Thank you. I did not in fact call this in. It was called in by one of the by the ward councillor. Uh, it's Councillor Sharon Morris. Thank, Thank you very you. much for that uh, confirmation. Thank you. Okay. Good afternoon, Chair. The application the application before you is uh, marked the boundaries marked in red here as you will see later on, is a, um, an ex a former surgery uh, premises, which has been vacant for a while now. And uh, I decided to start with this particular photograph in order to show members what the situation looks like, in order to see how it has been addressed in terms of the objection raised by uh, local residents. These particular properties are facing um, a borough lane, and the area garden is what you are looking at at the moment. Here, 
These properties are facing part of Newport Road, and their rear garden is also facing the previous rear garden that I've already shown to you. The idea here is to establish that there's an existing back-to-back -back overlooking already within that site itself. And this application is going to demonstrate that it's not going to exacerbate the situation at all through the design approach that has been taken. This is the view of the site looking towards the junction of Newport Road and, and London Road. This is the existing entrance to the uh, former vacant uh, surgery premises. And this same access will be utilized in the application that I'm going to present. Obviously, I decided to pick up this photograph to show you the varieties of height of buildings within the area. This is part, part of the council building opposite the site itself. The idea of this photograph also is to show you different types of scale, form, and design approach existing within that particular area, which the particular development I'm going to present to you shows that they are not going to be out of context. This is the footprint of the proposed development, and this is the bicycle storage. There are 10 car parking spaces designated. In the report, can I just indicate that the part of the description set included garage. That has been removed in order for them to achieve them park up 10 car parking spaces. Here we have the bin enclosure. That's the access that I was showing you earlier on. The, the, the vehicle that will pick up the bin will come from this end, pick up the bin, and swap around and exit. This is the existing elevation of the former surgery premises with a double frontage. This is the proposed ground floor. And this is the proposed first floor elevation, ground floor and elevation, respectively. Now, I would also like to indicate at this point that the, up, the, upper, the upper first floor bedrooms the, the applicant has decided to address the issue raised by adjoining occupiers in terms of overlooking by creating what is known as velox window and skylights, as shown from the skyscape of the building. The height of the building, as existing, will not increase beyond what has been proposed. This is the proposed cycle storage and uh, part of the bin storage that I've already shown you through the satellite plan. Overall, the scheme is recommended for approval because it's not going to cause overlooking, overbearing. In terms of the design details that I've already shown, the aesthetic details will mirror the existing built environment. This application also, because it's a five self-contained flats, it triggers off provision for affordable housing. Applicant has agreed to, uh, have agreed to pay 125000 which will be secured through Section 106 agreement. Can I also use this opportunity to highlight, through the conclusion, there's a, a typing error that I would like to uh, highlight towards the, uh, the provision for affordable housing. 
in para paragraph one, is supposed to say payment of affordable housing financial contribution rather than secure suitable provision of affordable housing. Also, in the policy paragraph of this particular report, where it was indicated as policy S7, I'm trying to reiterate here, it's supposed to say policy S1, which has already been amplified in the report. Overall, Chair, I recommend this, approval, uh, this scheme for approval, subject to completion of Section 106 and, and the recommended planning condition. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Alana. Um, we have a speaker against this application. That's John Allen. You have three minutes, Mr. Allen. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak this afternoon. Um, my name is John Allen, as you correctly said, and um, I live at the neighbouring property on Borough Lane, for Borough Lane. As, you, um, as you've just seen a lovely shot of our back garden from the proposed, well, from the current property. When, um, yeah, if you could see that, that'd be good. Um, if the proposal goes ahead in its current form, you'll be able to see pretty much all of our garden from the extended building. Um, the original building is a 1930s semi, um, made of, uh, well, the original building made up of two semi-detached buildings. Um, I'm sure you're all familiar with it as it's um, just over the road from here. The style of the building is the same as the style of the first dozen or so houses in Borough Lane. It's also the same style as the houses it's attached, adjoined to on uh, Newport Road. As such, it dovetail, dovetails these two streets, um, and it's an aesthetic that I think would be a shame to lose. But my, well, my main concern of this development is the, the size of the new building in relation to the size of the original building. Originally, this building was designed as a residence. Um, it was, at some point in its life, turned into a doctor's surgery. The doctors, um, as a business, and themselves were very considerate not to impact on their neighbours when it was a commercial venture. As a, so I find it um, somewhat ironic that with the potentially going back to residential, which um, I encourage it going to be residential, that would be, uh, that would be much better. It has been um, empty for some time. But ironically, the impact will detrimentally affect, I believe, myself, uh, my family and our other neighbours as the, the scale, sheer scale of the new property um, is out of keeping with the original building. So in, in the application it highlights that the building has more than doubled in size from its current, its current size, or will more than double in size in its current size, bearing in mind that the original building has already been extended considerably. So if you, were to, if you can imagine for me the, the current two semi-detached buildings making one building doubling that and applying that to the side and back of the building, that's what's been proposed on the plot which was originally designed for two semi-detached houses. Um, I forwarded you um, visuals over the weekend and I hope you had a chance to look at them of the, the impact it will, it will have on the visual height from when viewed from um, the rear of the property. Although you correctly said it does not exceed um, the current building height, um, we live in a land of perspective, I'm afraid, not 2D, and it will look considerably higher um, when viewed from gardens behind it. Thank you. 
Thank you, Mr. Allen. Um, the applicant is here, uh, Darren Gould. Uh, Darren Mould, would you wish to speak? Thank you. <coughs> you have three minutes. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Darren Mould. My wife and I are the applicants at the property. Um, since we purchased the place back in July, even before we actually purchased the place back in July last year, we have worked alongside the case officer and the council from day one, even at a pre-application stage. And the proposal that's been put forward is in essence what has been recommended to us to build. We've changed, we've noted um, the uh, objections from local residents, um, particularly the overlooking. So in fact, we've taken away a lot, if not all of the fenestration from the top floor uh, and moved it to the front. Um, so therefore the yeah, as you saw today, the actual overlooking is, shouldn't be exacerbated by any more um, building that we are putting on there. Um, we've complied the ESIC design guide with regards to amenity space um, for the size of the plot and the number of flats that we're, we're proposing to put in there. Um, and that's it. Yeah, Mr. Alana has um, so he's had this for a year and we've sort of worked very closely and I'm confident and well, hopeful this gets uh, recommended for approval. Thanks very much. Thank you, Mr. Mould. Right, members, over to you. Any comments, questions? Right, I'm going to propose that this is uh, approved from the chair um, with the conditions that are attached. Um, does that find a seconder? Uh, Councillor Hicks, thank you. Um, let's go straight to the vote, shall we? All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five. Those against? One, two. Any abstentions? One. That matter is approved. Thank you very much. Our next item is item 4.5, application UTT 153594, an application for full consent at Clavering. And Mr Theobald will make the presentation for us. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. This full application relates to the reconstruction of an existing access bridge over the River Stort at uh, Middle Street and Clavering, together with the addition of a new uh, second bridge over this stream onto land which is uh, subject to an approval at appeal for three dwellings where that previous uh, consent um, has the existing access provision here, uh, the existing 2.9 metre access bridge. Uh, just to give you a flavour of the site, it's a country lane and this is a view of the existing platform bridge looking east and you can see there's a, a, a bank all the way along here. This is the river Stort uh, and this is the land to the rear other direction so you're now looking west towards the ford down there this is existing bridge and again you can see this sort of uh, banking here this is looking straight up the existing platform bridge to oaklands the bungalow on the site that's the garden to the side where it also forms part of the application site for the three dwellings slightly raised as you can see from the, uh, the ground on the road and that's again looking back 
uh, east towards the existing bridge. Uh, just a few other photos on the interior. That's it. The application in front of you, as I say, is for, uh, well, in this case now, an entrance and egress to improve the vehicular flow um, onto the site and back off down onto Middle Street again uh, from the development and is uh, put forward as being an enhancement to the existing access arrangements for the site. Uh, Essex County Council Highways have been consulted on the application. They haven't raised any access objections to this arrangement uh, in terms of either highway safety or other highway matters. And in fact, uh, they have in an email said that they would actually view this as being an enhancement to the existing situation. The other main consultee has been the Environment Agency, where you will see from the report that uh, the previous application for the three dwellings did, um, uh, did um, cause a, a holding objection from the Environment Agency, but that was overcome uh, by the submission of flood risk assessment. And similarly with this application, because the application wasn't accompanied by a flood risk assessment, uh, the Environment Agency requested one. And finally, after further technical details were submitted to them by the applicant for uh, the second bridge and for the reconstruction of the existing bridge, that the, uh, the height of the underside of the platform for both would not be any lower to the stream bed than existing, and uh, the, the deck would be as thin as possible for both bridges. And as a result, the EA have come back on their last consultation response, withdrawing their holding objection, saying that they consider the uh, uh, development will not be a flood risk at the site or indeed uh, further downstream where it floods anyway onto the road. That's a common occurrence. So, um, Chairman, this application uh, would be in accordance with policy and is recommended for approval. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Theobald. We have one speaker, and that is Stephanie Gill. And you have three minutes, Mrs Gill. Thank you. Uh, Chairman, thank you for allowing me to speak. As Councillor Oliver, uh, who actually called this in, is unable to be here for personal reasons, I am actually the Chair of the Parish Council. You have already been appraised of the Parish Council's objections to a second access being constructed at this site, especially when at appeal it was determined that the original sole access onto what is actually a protected lane, not just a country lane, was adequate. At that time, construction vehicles to develop the site were to reach it by, via an adjoining property on Middle Street, which was in the same ownership as the site. However, we believe the development site was sold, hence the new owner's request for a second access. The PC notes that the documentation received after its objection letter, which has subsequently allowed the environmental agency to withdraw its initial objections in light of the construction details of the new bridges, which will help mitigate the known flooding that occurs here. And she actually floods here twice a year, not once in every hundred years. The Parish Council defer to the Environment Agency's expert opinion on the matter and nature of new bridges to be constructed. And note that the Environment Agency now find that the latest submitted drawings and specifications are acceptable. However, I cannot find, I can't determine from the Uttlesford District website which specification 
was found to be acceptable because there's an intimation that there were two sets of submitted documents but I can only find one. Also, the Parish Council would like clarification as to whose responsibility it is, UDCs or EAs, to ensure that the approved bridge construction specifications are met. And also, may we have clarification as to whether the bridges are to form effectively a one-way system in and out, not uh, you can go in and out either ride the bridge as you wish, but there's one in and one out only for all three properties to be constructed on the site. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs Gill. Um, quite a valid point you raised there about the approved by the Environmental Agency document. Can we clarify that, uh, Mr Theobald? Thank you. Yes, I can. The, the flood risk assessment prepared by the applicant subsequent to the first objection, holding objection from the EA does actually have uh, details within it of the uh, platform thicknesses um, underside of bridge to the stream uh, where uh, you've got um, surveyed section of existing bridge, replacement bridge section. I mean, you can't see it, but that is the, the, the appendix document on the, the FRA. And uh, within that, it's got uh, various uh, distances uh, to do with the request for the EA to clarify the um, aspect of flood risk. So, as far as the as, as far as the parish council, <laughs> as far as, as far as the parish council's concerns um, go, the the FRA as submitted is what the, the technical document which the EA did see, and they consider that based upon those technical details and appendices, that uh, they are confident that the uh, the replacement bridge and the new bridge will not cause um, any further flood risk than what happens already as we know along this site because the, the lane is quite uh, uh, adjacent as you know as you can see to the river Stort. Um, as far as the second uh, point is concerned um, the applicant hasn't indicated uh, if it's uh, a one-way system um, that's really, I think, the preference of the developer, unless, of course, um, members feel that uh, this should be um, a one-way system, entrance, egress, um, by design. Thank you. Thank you, Clive. Um, there was a, a, an extension of that, um, which is the right document, in as much as who approves the construction. Would it be subject to a building regs application into this building or to an approved inspector? Sorry. What I've done uh, on the condition for the recommendation for approval, knowing that this question would probably arise, I have actually referred to the, the flood risk assessment um, as being uh, the document to be referred to for the construction of the, the two bridges. So to, to avoid any ambiguity. Um, and I'm sorry. Uh, that's, can that's a drawing that's numbered SH1115. Dot O one. Yeah, is that the reference? Um, the drawing reference, the drawing reference oh. um, Chairman, is the the O one, but then yeah. that's effectively uh, augmented by the additional condition. So the approved drawing is in the plan, uh, the drawing schedule, together with the uh, compliance with the flood risk assessment right. um, document with the technical appendices. And that date, February 2016, clearly sorts out which one is the relevant one because there was an earlier one. Yep. Uh, 
Uh, yes, are you referring to the flood risk assessment? Yes. Yes, yeah. that's the uh, one prepared by uh, um, MTC. MTC Engineering dated February 2016. Fine, okay. Parish had one more question. Parish also yeah. asked who was responsible to making sure they did it right. Well, that's right. It's <laughs> um, both the authority and the environment, because obviously you're doing works to either side of a riverbank, so therefore they need environmental environmental agencies consent to do that. So it will be us in consultation with them and them in consultation with us. Just on, as an addendum to that, uh, Nigel, there would be an informative to go on the, uh, the planning permission as per uh, the Environment Agency advice, which is exactly that to do with um, easements and the, uh, uh, the distance from um, a, a stream river bank under the, uh, uh, I forget what they call called, riparian rights oh, or whatever they call. Yep. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Right. For the chairman, we've got absolutely no control over that whatsoever. No. Sorry. We'd like to have ultimate control, but we don't. Right. Okay, I saw some hands. Uh, Councillor Lock and ladies first. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Not often called a lady. Um, well, it's, it's a term I use. Could I have a picture, please, of the... Yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm just worried about... It is a protected lane, and there are no conditions on here um, to protect that protected lane, if you like. Are there any mitigation measures that we can take or conditions that we can put on that will protect that during construction? I'm rather concerned that it, that's going to be very badly damaged. Well, the, uh, the previous application for the, the dwellings didn't um, cause any uh, ecology objections, but I take your point, it is a protected lane. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest, what, what conditions we could impose to secure any flora or fauna um, along there. I mean, apart from the actual what's within possibly uh, the stream here, as, you know, um, what might be uh, um, in there, it is essentially a garden frontage, which if I, that's probably near to where it is. So I'm not sure what we would be protecting or try to seek to protect just by another bridge going over. But I'm quite happy to think about any possible inclusions. Well, if you could, because I mean that... It, there is potential for, for that to be badly damaged. Mm -hmm. And also, we should be looking for greater crested newts. There's nothing on mentioned on here. Um, there <laughs> isn't. And the reason for that is because it's a bridge across a, a, a stream. Um, but if there are any um, amphibians found, then obviously they are subject to uh, um, uh, legislation under the, uh, you know, the protected species. Um, and it would be subject to that uh, uh, precautionary principle. Are you okay for a moment? Yeah, I was just going to say to Mr Theobald, if you could look for a condition that, that may protect that, I mean, you would know them better than I would, so if there was something that could be done just to prevent any long-term damage or not being able to put right again, do you know what I mean? I've got, I've got a suggested answer for that, if I may. I think Councillor Mills is probably going in the same place. Uh, we I'm could ask the... Uh, the owner, the applicant, to take a video schedule the condition of the verge before work commences, um, submit that to us, and then we can inspect that 
that can be inspected after the work is finished. I think that's excellent. We can do that. We can do that. Councillor Mills. Oh, sorry, Councillor Chambers, Councillor Davy, Councillor Mills. Right, that order. I'm just going to say, Mr Chairman, I propose approval. Subject to those conditions. With the additional safeguard. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Yes, second. Councillor Hicks, thank you. Councillor Davy, you wanted to speak. Just, it's a great shame. I mean, here we have an opportunity where we could have had two turntables put in, or one turntable might have resolved it and might not need a second bridge. I'd love to see somebody come up with a scheme with, which involves turntables, and it's never cropped up yet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'd just like to point yes. out, Councillor Davy, that it's for cars, not trains. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is that the comment you were going <laughs> Okay, thank you. So we have a proposal and a seconder. For, oh, sorry, Councillor Fairhurst. Mr Chairman, I'm just not quite sure. Are we conditionalising access and egress, or entrance and egress, or can we not conditionalise it? You cannot do that because there's no way that we can have an enforcement officer posted there all the time to make sure people are going in and out. That's the issue. But it will be designed, because that's the whole idea of doing it, to get it in and out. That's what they're going to want to do. So I don't think we need to worry about that. And I remind you, this is serving three houses, not 30. So I think, you know, it's not going to be a big issue. But the whole idea why they wanted two bridges, so they could have an, ing an egress and an ingress. So that ingress and an egress. So I, I don't think we should worry about it, to be honest. OK, we have a proposal for approval, subject to a condition on adding in uh, a condition survey and that's been proposed and seconded so all those in favour please show thank you very much that matter is approved the next item is item 4.6 application UTT 16 stroke 0545 an application for full planning consent in Saffron Walden and Mrs Shoe Smith will make the presentation thank you thank you chairman I think members might remember the site from back in December. <laughs> it's a resubmission of um, an application regarding um, amendments to the road which would serve a larger scheme which has been granted planning permission. So the site is located um, in Shire Hill. Um, if I go back to what was originally approved back in December. Now, planning permission was granted for the Manor Oak site to the east uh, for 200 houses, plus office space, plus um, a care village and a school site. Um, as part of the application, uh, Section 106 um, was part of the scheme and conditions which allowed access onto Shire Hill as a secondary access. Now, um, apparently there was an error in the drafting of the lines um, regarding the access, which resulted in a, an application back in December. So they submitted an application for a change of use um, of an area to allow this secondary access into the site. Now, apparently after design has evolved further, this is now amended to a revised area. Um, so um, the applications for the revised area to uh, allow the ac secondary access into the wider scheme 
Um, principally, that was approved as part of the original outline, subject to, as I said, conditions and Section 106 agreements, uh, which entailed um, um, traffic orders on uh, Shire Hill as well. So the principle has been uh, accepted. Um, there's no objections that have been raised as part of the applications. Um, the conditions that were imposed as part of the original application in December has been transported to this application, which is outlined on page um, page 95. Um, so recommendation of approval subject to tying the works to this access road to the outline application, which was granted back in 2014. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Mrs. Shoesmith. Now, I've got a speaker noted, Louise Steele, but she does not appear to be in the room. Nobody is going to speak on her behalf, so we'll pass straight over to members for comment. Councillor Davey? I propose we recommend the... We, we, uh, we, uh, be, 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 yeah. Recommend Thank you. <laughs> Find a second. I didn't have a microphone. Oh, right. I would again. like to propose that the uh, recommendation be uh, passed. Recommended for approval. Right. Thank you. Find a second. Councillor Chambers, you seconding? I am, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Do you wish to speak on the matter? Thank you. Any comments, Councillor Freeman? Yeah. The reason for requesting a gramping condition on this was that we didn't want access to the field to be opened up without work going on behind it. That's the point. Uh, because as soon as you have access to a field, then it can be used for all sorts of purposes. Uh, and that impacts, in this case, an important industrial site in Saffron Walden. Uh, could be used for parking, could be used for anything at all. Uh, and there is no uh, substantive application at the moment, I think, for the, for the development behind that. So... The two need to be linked. That's the only concern. Well, this is access to further yeah. development, isn't yeah. it? So I, I can't imagine the landowner would want anybody else on this. So I imagine you take the security precautions. Um, that's, we had this before and we decided we didn't need it. Is that correct? Sorry, Chairman. Yes. The, the Scrampian uh, condition? We um, the Grampian condition... Um, Yes, it, it, it's um, condition three and also yeah. condition two, which ties the application um, to the original outline application to ensure that that comes forward as part of the outline application and not in isolation. Okay, thank you. Councillor Freeman? Can I propose, therefore, Chairman, that uh, we condition this as a Grampian condition okay. to go with this application? Otherwise, it will slip away from us, I fear. So what you're, what you're suggesting, I think you might have Condition 3, for instance, which says the development permit shall be implemented in conjunction with the planning, blah, blah, blah. What we want, really want to say is no development shall take place until, and then I think we can, we can tie that up, yeah. Okay. Does that satisfy you? Councillor Freeman? Yeah, okay. Councillor Fairhurst. I'd be happy to second that on those terms. Thank you. Well, we had a proposal and a seconder. So, um, is that revised yeah, condition satisfactory to you? Perfect, perfectly satisfactory by me. Thank, thank you. you. Councillor Chambers? Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you very much. Thank you for your offer to do that. Okay, so we'll go to the vote on this. If no one's uh, got any other comments, so all those in favour, please show.
Thank you. That matter is approved. Item 4.7, application UTT 160626. It's a householder's uh, application in Saffron Warden, and Mrs Stevenson will make the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. The application site is located within development limits in Saffron Warden. The application site comprises a detached two-storey dwelling with rear conservatory located at the end of a cul-de-sac amongst dwellings of similar size and design. The application proposes the erection of a two-storey side extension, which will provide a garden room at ground floor and an extended bedroom with ensuite at first floor. The principle of the development in this location is accepted and the proposed extension has been designed to be subservient to the host dwelling with a lowered ridge height and setback position. It's been designed to be compatible with the existing dwellings in terms of design, detailing, scale, form and materials and in keeping with the pattern of surrounding development. It will have no detrimental impact on the amenity of neighbouring residents and as the proposal does not represent an increase in the number of bedrooms, the existing parking provision meets settled for local parking standards for a four-bedroom dwelling. The proposal is considered to be acceptable in accordance with the relevant Uttlesford local plan policies and is recommended for approval subject to conditions as listed on page 100. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Mr Stevenson. We have no speakers on this application, so members, it's over to you. Councillor Chambers. Proposed approval, Mr Chairman. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Fairhurst, thank you very much. Um, if no further comments are coming forth, we'll go to the vote. All those in favour, please show. Thank you. That matter is approved. Uh, item 5 on the agenda is re in reference to land north of Stansted Road, Elsdham. And Mr Brown will be making the case. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Chairman. Um, this isn't as complicated as it looks. Um, uh, members will, I think members will remember this particular application as an application for uh, David Wilson Homes on previous Crown Estate land that was approved, well, as you see, it was approved in 2012 <coughs> to a section 106. Um, what all the purposes of this report is to do is they want to change the tenure mix. There's no consideration of reduction in affordable housing. Um, just go back if you cut one step. Uh, when planning permission was approved in 2012, there was a, it was a bit of a, an options within the committee report of either providing 35% and an extra care facility or the provision in the absence of an extra care facility of 40% provision. We've gotten to the latter, so 40% provision is what's been secured within the reserve matters. Now, normally, now members don't usually get involved in this particular detail, but I think because this is a little bit of a, a shift in what we normally do, we usually go off, do the section 106, which secures a 70-30 split, with 70 being rental and 30 being uh, shared ownership. Uh, the government's been moving the goalposts all over the place in terms of uh, affordable rent rates, and so therefore the provision of rental is possibly not as attractive as it used to be. It still is attractive and it still will be provided. And the reason within your pinks you've got here is the review of the affordable housing income. It's, it's not really a viability, it's an empirical study in terms of the lack of interest, if you like, from the normal housing providers on a 70-30 split. And uh, what is, is indicated is that a 50-50 split would, would work. 50% 50 
split between shared ownership and rental. And that is what it is. It is not necessarily something that was part of the original resolution from the committee, but I think it is a significant shift, although it is an acceptable shift in officers' terms, that I think was worth bringing back to members just to clarify that particular issue. So the recommendation is to accept the principle in this particular term of changing from 70-30 to a 50-50 split, and that will be secured for a variation in the 106. I'll take questions. Councillor Lachlan. Sorry, what I was just going to ask, and it says here, part two, and we're on pink paper, should we be throwing people out? There's no one to throw out, to be honest, because I know the gentleman over there is representing the, the agent. And, uh, but, uh, but I think the situation is what we have here is not a pink report, not a part two report. The appendix is the part two, uh, because members, if members wanted to look at the nitty-gritty detail inside, they're, they're happy to do it. The report is quite open, and it needs to be open in terms of how it is. It's just if members wanted to get into, stuck into the nitty-gritty detail of the discussion, we would then... We would, part two would also be turning the mics off, all sorts of things in terms right. of doing that. Uh, yeah, because I'm quite concerned that we were actually being recorded. That was... The discussion we're having now should be open discussion. Was well, that here, Councillor Lawton? Yeah, thank you. Any other comments, members? Yeah. Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr. Chairman, um, I understand that the two separate issues, but the one issue you're arguing here is the question of viability, and obviously when we have to look at a 50 50 on the 70 30 percentage, I'm just wondering, ravaging on to myself. Um, um, when we have to look at a decision, the decision, as I understand it, is to, is to move from a 70 30 to a 50 50 in order to establish a viability for both the developer and, 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 and the. Yeah, um, council. Um, and then I look at the pink slip on number four, and it is a paragraph 173 is very interesting because of the NPPF. It says, and I quote her, to provide competitive returns to a willing landowner and willing developer. Um, and it comes back to a question we raised a couple of months ago, and one that, that continues to nag at me. Um, and I'm being pedantic here, but I don't understand what the, the quantified competitive return is. Is this a, is a, is a rule of thumb? Is it, a, is it an arbitrary figure? What do we determine as being a competitive return? In other words, in, in order to establish viability, and it doesn't only go to this particular subject at hand, but in order to establish viability, do we assume that a competitive return is, say, 8% on the value of the land or 20% on the value of the project? Um, and without that quantified value, we're sort of stumbling in the dark here. We may feel that 20% that that profit is a fair return, anything below that is not viable, or that, in fact, break-even is a fair return. What is the number we're using? What's, what's, what is the discount in the DCF calculation? Can I just clarify, this isn't actually... I think that's a fair point. When we're talking about pure viability in terms of a developer not saying it's, it doesn't stack up because of X, Y, Z, you're right, and we need to, to establish that. And, and it's, 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 I'm not, don't quote me on this, but it's more the 8% than 20%. It's a, it's a much lower... But this is much more empirical in terms of the affordable housing providers are indicating it won't stack up and they cannot provide it. And so for the benefit of the developer, it's not really... Obviously, it's the developer requesting this because they want to make sure they've got an affordable housing provider on board before they can even start really progressing the development. That's the issue from the developer, is actually blocking the development. But in reality, what we're doing is allowing... And there's no, it's no benefit whatsoever in terms for the developer, only the developer's allowed to start. 
The issue here is for the actual getting the affordable house provider on site. That was the issue. So it's the affordable housing. In this particular case, it's about the affordable housing providers. But what, all the comments you've come up with there is the usual viability discussions. And I think we probably need to have that discussion when we get to the next one of those, to be honest. Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. That's exactly the point. Um, I'm happy to, to delay the discussion to a later date, um, but it's quite important because let's understand what we're saying here. We're saying that a developer can use the viability defence in a situation where the, where the project falls below a certain yardstick. If we don't ascertain that yardstick in some, with some degree of, of clarity, it becomes a defence with an open-ended um, result. So, I would, I, as I say, you're absolutely right. It's not really a, a, a seized of here. But I would like very much in the future to, to discuss that and, 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 and arrive at a figure that we're all comfortable with so that in future the developers know what, what defence they can raise and what they can't defend. I've requested Mr Brown to table a workshop on that subject. Thank you. Could I suggest yeah. we do that with Housing Board as well, do a double workshop? Yeah. I've got Susanna in the room here. Sorry. Okay. Thank you, yeah, Mr Councillor Chairman. Mills. Thank you. <coughs> Can I just clarify? So they're going to provide 40% affordable, of which we're talking about splitting 50-50, the 40%. Yes. That's right. Okay. That's clarified. Are we creating a precedent for things going forward? I don't think we are, because this, there is... The developer, the, this site is quite peculiar in terms of how the sites come forward, in terms, of the, in terms of the constraints on the site. It's particularly about this site, as well as the fact, and it also gets to the point whereby you have a development of a similar size directly opposite, and you know, that some providers pick and choose, you know, that as in terms of uh, registered providers, don't like to jump in on too many developments. So there's a lot going on on ADLs and then there's a lot going on in the development. I don't think this is setting the precedent is specific to this particular site. If it starts becoming a global thing across the whole authority, then that is something that Housing Board would have to consider and Housing Board would have to consider that through the housing strategy, to be honest. But it is not setting a precedent. We're not getting them knocking our doors down in terms of wanting to do it. But there is specifics about this particular site. Can we clarify this will have a, an effect on the income to Housing Board? No, have an inc income the income effect is on the social provider yes. in this case. We, as a council, have our own issues with our rental income dropping as against our HRA uh, borrowing uh, repayments so, and our future development. So, yeah, the precedent is not created here, but it's, it's, it's an influence that's not of our doing or the developer's doing. Yes, Councillor Fairhurst. Sorry, Mr Chairman, in light of what, what Councillor Mills says, may we include in this process a specific reference to this being an exceptional circumstance and not to be seen as a precedent? Because sometimes a precedent comes of itself unless you make a point of that. I think that's a minute, really. It's a minute issue to actually claim that you, we're doing this because it's exceptional, yeah. Minute. Okay, so any further comments about this? So we need to <coughs> uh, go to, uh, we need a, a, a proposal basically. Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, I will propose this is recommended that the deed of variation be agreed to section 106 obligation to secure the following. Change the tenure split between rental and shared ownership from 70-30 to 50-50. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Yes. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll go to the vote then, please, uh, members. All those in favour of that, please show. Unanimous. Thank you very much. Um, that's approved. 
Uh, item 6 is urgent business. I know not of any, so I'm declaring the meeting closed at 26 minutes past 4. Thank you very much.